welcome to another episode of the Coastline Covenant Podcast. And today we are doing something a little different. Sean Garrick and I are doing what we are calling a podcast primer, where we are going to give you guys a little bit of context on what we are speaking about for the foreseeable future at Coastline, and that is the book of Acts. Think of this episode as Acts 101. Who, what, where, when, why. This is a primer for you as we begin our journey through a complex, sprawling narrative about the first believers and how they followed Jesus in their cultural context. It's a poignant book. It's a good book. And um, man, this discussion was super fun and super nerdy. So get ready for a deep discussion. And we will see you next week and every week after that. so much for listening and um, giving us wonderful feedback on our Q&A episodes. I can't tell you how many people got to kind of, you know, give me the little razzle-dazzle about Chuck E. Cheese. Boy, that really took a turn in that <laughs> that podcast, only because that was supposed to be the more serious I one. I know, I know. Until you said that, and then it really, it really took a left turn in a way that was exciting. I, was, I, I, I got to enjoy it twice, because I, I listened back on it and i laughed out loud when i was listening to it <laughs> when we hit the Chuck E. cheese lore and then like sean's response to that and yeah. janine's response is like what are you laughing at so then i had to go explain the whole thing to her wait janine doesn't listen to the podcast well she does but she hadn't got to this one yet so anyway it was anyway. kind of fun to kind of go through that and she's like wait there's a whole backstory i know i yeah. know it's one of those things that just like takes up parts of my brain that i wish didn't what i love <laughs> about the podcast though is it it genuinely shows how much we like each other right it's spending time with one right. another. it's really nice how much we just laugh together and it's yeah, great it's a blast the podcast shows that the podcast is a blast and i hope uh you guys listen to it as much as we love doing it um i know i love doing it and uh it's it's really cool to be here with sean and garrick today because we are talking about acts now if you've been with us for a bit you know we've been doing the kind of foundation series and then we jumped into the greatest thing where we talked about the shema yep and Sean and I actually teased on the podcast where we talked about teaching series, this act series. Mm-hmm. And I would say it's less of a series and more of like a movement. Like we are, we are doing this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I have found as a congregant and a pastor is it's very, very helpful when you know what you are going to hear about. Mm-hmm. And Acts is a dense, complex, sprawling book that takes us all over the world. And you can't really do justice to the context and the themes of Acts in one sermon. And so this isn't meant to serve as a replacement. Like if you listen to this, you don't have to come to church, but this is kind of meant to serve as like a little primer. Like Mm -hmm. if you're coming to Coastline in the next couple years and we're going to be talking about the book of Acts, you know, these are some helpful things to know. So I have Sean and Garrick with me, like I said, as they're kind of going to be doing most of the preaching. Um, And so basically what I wanted to do with this episode is just talk about the book of Acts, kind of the important parts, the key themes, things to look for. And then hopefully we can land the plane in answering the question, why does this matter for us in 2021? Mm -hmm. And so let me ask you guys, two guys who are preaching this sermon series, what is the most appealing thing about the book of Acts? Or why are you excited or are you excited to teach through Acts? Well, part of it's just that it's the start of the church, right? You get to watch this thing come to be. You get to watch this thing take birth. And as you're launching Coastline, um, it's it's exciting to kind of put yourself right alongside of them, mm. right? You're watching them learn, grow. You're watching it kind of take structure and shape. Church is being planted. And you get to see their struggles and their growth points. 
and and that's very much our story as well. So I think that's what's exciting. It's it's easy to parallel the two stories and to find a lot of um, encouragement, challenge, and also kind of uh, laying a really firm foundation of, of what should a church be, what should it be started upon, and what should those kind of core values be as you go. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd echo that, and it just it fits this season so well. I think for me, I would also add. Um, just that it is an exciting uh, story. Mm. It's an exciting narrative, right? It You read through the book of Acts and it in, inspires you to love God more, to trust God more, um, to expect more in your relationship with God right. in Christ. And I'm, um, I'm encouraged and kind of can't wait to see how that kind of narrative excitement and story plays its way in and through um, coastline people. So you kind of answered it already, but maybe a, a broader question is, how is this relevant? How is Acts relevant, not only to coastline, but to the church at large in 2021? Man, that is so big. And I feel <laughs> like um, yeah. like I'm starting to wade into some of the answers of that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and part of what you know, I've been coming to realize, it's just God stretching his people to have a vision that's as big as his is. Mm. You know, honestly, because what they think is going to happen after the resurrection of Christ is so different than what he wants to have happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they have to learn that, and they have to grow in that. And it pushes them outside of... Um, what they want, their comfort zone. It's going to take them outside of their country and people groups. It's going to uh, take them out of a place of what they thought would be security and power and ruling alongside Jesus at his left and his right to dying for the gospel. That Mm -hmm. is not what they thought was going to happen. In Acts 1, that is not where they see Mm -hmm. the trajectory of life going. And it is to see that God's got a plan that's bigger for them. Um, and more wonderful, and one that they're going to learn to joyfully step into. But uh, it's it's more costly and more b- beautiful and more wonderful, and it calls them into a life that's bigger than themselves, which isn't something they see in the beginning. So I think that that is something that I, I hope for our people. I think so many of us, we, we become caught up in our own stories, mm. and we try to fit God into that, and Acts invites us to find our identity and our our life calling in his story. Um, and you see that play out in the very first, first few chapters, which we'll be preaching on this weekend. Yeah. I love that. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it was really do good. I, do I need to respond more? <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I would add to that and, and maybe make kind of a subcategory of what Sean's already spoken of. There's a lot of opposition for the early church. And I think as you ask us, why now? Why is it pertinent now? Um, I think there is a lot of cultural opposition to the idea of the exclusivity of exclusivity of Christ. Um, it's not well received. Mm-hmm. And so I do think it gives us a model of what Sean was talking about, of how God stretches you outside of your own story to be placed into his. Um, and I do see a parallel in, in Acts of, um, you know, the gospel moving forward in power. Mm. both empowered by the Holy Spirit and then empowered by his people, to borrow Sean's language, that are being stretched by God. 
And I think that's what's exciting. They're, they're experiencing big things from God and they're expecting big things from God. And I think that's the posture as we think about coastline being joyfully courageous. I think that's a posture you see in Acts. And I think it's a posture that uh, gets us ready to live a life of faith in the context we find ourselves in where it's not the Judeo-Christian values and moorings kind of, of the world and the society around us have shifted. And what is the response to that? I think the response is continue to trust God, love him deeply, and love neighbor deeply. Um, and having God utilize that with the power of the Holy mm. Spirit uh, to uh, like waken people up. Like yeah. you read the first several books of the, you know, chapters of acts and you find, you know, at Pentecost and flowing from there, this idea of God moving in and through his people with power. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was necessary because there was significant opposition. So, but I mean, just, just think about this. I, I was thinking about this, I, this, I wanted this to be in my sermon and I'm going to have to cut it out. Oh, so it's exclusive. Here's a teaser. This is a podcast exclusive. I mean, think about it. Like in Acts 1, their question to him is, is now the time where you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And his response to that is, no. And then he ascends into the heaven. (laughs) Like they think, Jesus, now are you taking the throne? And he's like, no, goodbye. And he's gone. And then it says the disciples are there staring into the heavens, right? They have no idea what's just happened. He was supposed to now go boot Caesar. He was supposed to do that before, but now that he's conquered death, what can Rome do to him again? Are they going to kill him again? Right. Right? Like, no, he's, it's his. It's right there. And then he's gone. Like, any hope of an earthly kingdom is gone now because Jesus is gone. What now is the point? What now is the plan? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a mm. really big question for Christians today. If your hope is in an earthly kingdom, right. you're probably hoping for the wrong thing. Yeah. You're going to be massively disappointed. You're staring into yeah. the sky wondering what's going on. And something I noticed as I went re- reading through Acts for the series and then, you know, prepping for today, culture or like Rome is seen as like this looming threat, almost like this villain. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, it's kind of this archetype thing, you know, this looming person in the distance. It's Rome. What, what can Rome do to us? Mm-hmm. And, and the answer is like they try out really hard to do something, but they never quite succeed. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really good word about earthly kingdoms. Like th- they try and they, they mimic power and they mimic that they're in control, but it doesn't really ultimately succeed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, w- I had this thought today. You know who never really th- sees Rome as the enemy, though, is Christ. I mean, Rome has these, when you think about his tense interactions or mm. with Pharisees, he has kind interactions with centurions and he doesn't chew out Pontius Pilate. You know, he's... He, uh, on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know mm-hmm. what they do. For Jesus, the empire is a problem, um, but the Roman soldiers are just simply lost people, and he's here for lost people. Um, mm. And so he has a heart towards them, and the gospel is going to move increasingly into Roman and and kind of Greek areas, you know, mm-hmm. Hellenistic areas, and it's going to blossom there. And when you end up thinking about, in the end, how many more Christians are Gentiles than Jews? Far more so. Mm -hmm. Like, the empire is, yes, this perceived enemy is going to put Christ to death. And, I mean, certainly the Jews hated them, but Christ, Christ is, his heart moves towards them. And you see that as a really helpful thing for believers today to adopt. You know, someone's allegiance does not 
mean they don't get to hear the gospel. Mm-hmm. Where someone s- sits on the you know metaphorical aisle doesn't mean that they're excluded from the gospel message. And like Jesus himself modeled that. Mm-hmm. That's that's awesome, and that's kind of the main theme of Acts. Yeah, right. Like God's family is more diverse than you could have ever imagined. But it's not more diverse than God ever planned for, which is interesting. So, Sean, as you've been studying this um, book and getting ready to preach a lot of these messages, talk to me about the Old Testament connections with the book of Acts. Uh, you know, I think a lot of the people boots on the ground in these first early churches were kind of like shocked that Gentiles were part of the part of the plan. Yeah. But if you open the Old Testament, you know, that's not actually the case. So God's always had this big worldwide vision for his family. So maybe speak a little bit into that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think part of it is, um, you know, there, there had been this hope that one day Israel was, Israel had had this great era, this incredible era where they were the most powerful country in the world, the wealthiest country in the world, uh, the consolidation of the, the wisest people in the world, they're living amongst them and then they lose it all. Mm -hmm. And the desire of most of the Old Testament is, how will this come back one day? How will we one day restore all of this? And Daniel begins to stretch kind of that idea, right? Yeah. That that there will be a kingdom that will come again. Um, but every time people hear Jesus talk about the kingdom of God, they think he's talking about the kingdom of Israel. Mm. And in Acts, they learn that's actually not the case. Right. The kingdom of God is different than the kingdom of Israel. There will be a future for Israel, but it's bigger. And so... Uh, part of it is to fulfill this longing that Israel's had for greatness again, to address that. Uh, but Israel was always meant to be this, this nation that was so tied into God and was so godly and good and conquered their enemies so profoundly through the covenant that he had that the nations would come and discover who Yahweh was and worship in the temple. That was always the plan. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't work, right? That that doesn't really bear fruit. And so now in Acts, you see God saying, well, now I'm not going to draw the nations to you. I'm going to send you to the nations. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's cool. And I like how you said that, you know, the temple to worship, because the temple is a weird Old Testament thing that actually comes up a ton in the book of Acts. Uh, Acts 2.42 is that famous passage, right? You know, they were all together and breaking bread and all those things, giving things away. Deuteronomy 14.15, those are the functions of the temple. So the new mm-hmm. temple is out in the community, in the, in the court, living and breathing, and they're the hands and feet of, of Christ. Yeah. And we, I think we often think about, like, the expansion of the gospel happening through, you know, the stoning of Stephen and persecution, right? right? But I think it was really fascinating is to put it back into temple language and mm-hmm. say, in the beginning first, you know, chapters of Acts, they're still around, right? The right. Jerusalem yeah. area, right? Like, second temple, Um you know, before it's destroyed. And then, and yet when they're sent out after Acts 2 at Pentecost, that temple is now within. And it's almost like, like any of us, when God's doing a new work in us, he's got to break down kind of the old paradigm to push them into the new paradigm. And that new paradigm being, you are now the temple yeah, and I'm sending the temple out to the nations instead of gathering them to the temple. I mean, that's, borrowing, obviously, language from Paul and mm-hmm. Corinthians, mm-hmm. but that's exactly what's happening, you know? And I think that there's there's obvious linkage because there's so much Old Testament quoted in the sermons yes. given throughout the book of Acts, and I, and I see that as that's part of the connection, obviously, between the Old and the New Testament. You know, it, it answers part of that hard 
problem that sometimes people have of like, wow, the God of the Old Testament mm-hmm. seems vastly or wildly different than God expressed in Jesus. And I think those are some of the link pieces that are important to, to pull out to say, no, it's a, it's a whole narrative that links together. It's the movement of God. It's his plan of salvation from beginning to end, Old and New Testament. It's funny that you say all the Old Testament quotations in the sermon. You know, as I was prepping, I was looking at the ESV study Bible and it said like Old Testament quotations and acts. And it literally says too many to count. <laughs> Does it really? It's like yeah. too many to count, too many yeah. to note here. Because yeah. it's true. I mean, this book is saturated in the it Old is. Testament. And Willie James Jennings calls Acts the second Genesis. Yes. Right. That's his, his kind of summarization of it, of a new creation with the church, God being with his people in a new way an undoing of Babel, um, mm. and uh, instead of Abraham out to a promised land, it is yeah. people out to all the lands, which mm-hmm. is just, you know, so it's a very creative way of thinking about how this works, and, and he's right. There's some there's some poignant things there. I mean, that's a really appealing quote. It's yeah. a new second Genesis. Yeah. Love mm-hmm. that. I love that. Oh, yeah, man. I hadn't heard that. That's Dude. Yeah. I, I'm sure you're going to ask us about that later. That book <laughs> is... The noise. Who lent that book to you? So good, Hunter. (laughs) Yeah, that's so good. That's the nicest compliment I've gotten lately. I lent you that book. Thank you. Yeah, I I continually like close my eyes and tilt my head back like a Pez dispenser when I read that book. Yeah, Willie Willie James Jennings is good. good. He's a good good theologian. Um, and I I'd really want our people to hear that like. Acts does not exist in a vacuum. I mean, it's certainly not in a vacuum of the New Testament, but of the whole entire salvation history of God and his people. Mm-hmm. Um, and to say it's second Genesis is to almost to say, like, as close as God was to Abraham in Genesis or as close to God was to the patriarchs in Genesis, like, that is how close he is to the early church. Uh, and we, I think we so often just think Acts is like this story. You know, it's just a story that happened. But no, this is the story of what has happened and what's currently happening in God's people. I love that. I love that. Okay, nitty-gritty. Let's get down to it. Who wrote Acts? And why does his, why does the authorship of Acts matter? It's Luke. So <laughs> It is Luke. So it's Luke. <laughs> There's no question that it's Luke. <laughs> Everybody agrees that it's Luke. So um, I wasn't trying to, like, gotcha. No. I, no. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> no Luke. Trick question. Surprise, <laughs> it's not Luke. So the, uh, the same person who wrote the book of Acts is the same person who wrote the gospel of Luke. Right. Now, Luke um, is a guy who is a second-generation Christian. Uh, he is not there with Jesus and seeing the things that Jesus has done, but he's become a follower due to the ministry of the apostles mm-hmm. and the disciples of Jesus. So he's heard. He joins Paul uh, after Acts 15 in a series of missionary journeys, yep. um, and chances are during Paul's imprisonment at Caesarea Maritima for two years, um, he is there when he goes in, and he's there when he comes out. Mm. Chances are that Luke's beginning to write the gospel happens during that two-year window when Paul's in prison. And uh, with that would have come a lot of research. Luke's unique perspective um, is to try to present a history, a chronological history of Jesus' ministry. Matthew is more focused on Old Testament um, ideas. John is more focused on philosophical ideas. Luke is trying to present a history. So I think if you... um, for a Western Christian, Luke makes a lot of sense, right? And Acts is like the sequel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, they would have been treated as one book back in yeah. the early days of the church. Uh, and he's writing to Theophilus. Yeah. Now Theophilus, he calls him most excellent Theophilus, 
which is either him giving an, you know, he's speaking to the character of Theophilus, most likely, when he says most excellent Theophilus, Theophilus is probably someone in the Roman government who has become a Christian and is a baby Christian, and he's writing to Theophilus to give him a full perspective of Christianity and the story of Christ so that Theophilus can advocate for Christians who, by the time when Acts 28 comes around, the end of it, Christians are suffering badly. And so Luke is writing to Theophilus to give him a story so that he can advocate and show people like, no, this thing's actually good for the empire. These people are not at risk. Um, They care for the poor. They care for their own. Mm -hmm. You don't have to um, sew them into uh, lambskins and throw them into the Colosseum. You don't have to. Don't have to. There's a better way to live. There's um, in the very beginning of Luke. He says this, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. And that's if that's the thesis of Luke, it's also the thesis of Acts, which he kind of brings up in Acts 1.1. He says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach, and then he continues it. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I never heard that piece about the advocacy, though. I was always taught that it was uh, to get financial backing, like it was a missionary letter. Yeah, that could be the case, too. You know, it, the idea of of it being something to gain support, F.F. Bruce brings it up, Stott yeah. brings it up, Jennings brings it up, It most... Uh, oh, Barclay brings it up as well. Um, most of the theologians believe that's that's probably what he's doing due to the prominent mm. figure of Roman people throughout the book of Acts. Right. Mm. He's going to constantly highlight interactions with Romans so that they know there are Roman Christians amongst you. They have benefited from the message of Christ, uh, and it's not a risk to empire. Fascinating. I yeah I just think that it's so helpful when we can contextualize these things like this Luke was a guy he did research he wrote this yeah and it's true yeah and he's there you know when you move into past like Acts 15 it moves into we right it's like yeah. Paul 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 Peter um but after you move past that it becomes we we cuz he's there with it he has a first hand account of all of those things that happen what would you say the main theme or the main themes of the book of Acts are They're so big. Mm-hmm. Um, a quote that you're going to hear again from Willie James Jennings is that I'm using in my sermon this weekend is that um, you can tell where the Spirit of God is when people begin to do the things that they don't want to do. Right. Right. Is a show the powerful, transforming work of the Spirit in the lives of the believers to change who they are in character to empower them for ministry, and to send them out to do the work of Jesus in the world. And that is meant to, in a sense, inspire us mm-hmm. to similar transformation um, and missional calling out to the world. I think it is meant there to, to show people who live today who are nervous or don't feel adequate or eloquent to people who feel like they don't know how to live in this world that they increasingly feel like strangers in. Right. The book of Acts is like, well, let me show you how people <laughs> like that can live. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Garrick, what do you think some more of the thematic elements of Acts are? Well, you, you know, we always gravitate to things that we're interested in and trying right. to grow in. 
for me, the book of Acts in the last couple of years has really been what I mentioned earlier about what's the role of the Holy Spirit. Um, to me, Acts seems like a fulfillment of what you see um, in like, you know, uh, Luke 9 and 10, the sending mm-hmm. of the 12, the sending of the 72, and that just continuing, that being a fulfillment. They're sent out for the gospel. Um, and so I think there's a significant theme there of, Sean's already mentioned it, what, what happens when somebody fully surrenders to the idea that the Holy Spirit dwells in them and what the Holy Spirit can do and accomplish, rather calling them to something they wouldn't normally do or something that they might even surprise themselves, mm-hmm. um, and even leading into kind of this road of suffering that you would never choose for yourself, right? right? That you see all over um, with the, uh, you know, the, the early followers and also Paul himself. So I see that as a, a very significant theme. And then just the very, the very simple theme, but yet profound theme that, you, you can't find a place and say the gospel isn't for that place. That gospel isn't for those people. Um, I think the whole conversion of Saul in Acts 9 with Cornelius in 10 um, is, a, is a massive theme, you know, yeah. that, that the gospel is really for everyone and it's God's plan for all of humanity in the whole world. Yeah. And so... That challenges us as we go into a season that's much more, um, I would consider, kind of tribal. You know, like if you're like me, you're part of my tribe, and this is kind of how we live and, and do right. things. Um, and I think the gospel is big and broad enough that it it not only speaks into that, but then calls you out of that into this into this bigger story than just what you're going to do on your own. What are you guys most excited to preach on? Or what are you most excited to hear preached in this series? Like, which part? For me, it's Mm -hmm. um, watching the progression and the maturity that happens across the disciples. And I'm scared to say it now because I want to spoil it as we go through this. But It's almost like you can read it. Who they are, (laughs) who these disciples are, and how they think from Acts 1, and I go again to Acts 15, just again, the, mm-hmm. the amount of mammoth changes that happen in their lives, in their perspective, in when the Holy Spirit comes upon them and how they change from being numbskull fishermen into being powerful preachers. Numbskull fishermen. Like, yeah. You just watch this change happen. Um, and I'm excited to preach through that transformational change that happens in the risks they're willing to take um, for the gospel. I just think it's... It's wild once you really watch it and you consider. Because I feel like throughout the Gospels, they're the same people. From from literally, from Matthew 1 to Matthew 28, 28, 29, they are the same people, knuckleheads, right? Not really ever understanding exactly what Jesus is doing. But when you watch them through Acts, they change so much in character through the presence of the Spirit. And I can't wait to just preach that week by week and see... This is the transformation that God has through the power of spirit that's available to each and every one of us. Yeah. And that's the beauty of like the Luke Acts volume that like you can watch them. I mean, I really, it's just so funny. Like I, I always think of like Pentecost as the TV show lost the second season of the TV show lost, you know, 
it end, the first season ends, they find the hatch, spoiler alert, <laughs> and they open the hatch, and then Jack Shepard is kind of like the leader, and then he he's like not a great leader for the people, and then he like stands up and gives that great speech. If we don't live together, then we're gonna die alone. Yeah. Like and it's that's this, all in season one? Uh that's season two. That's okay. that, that's the first episode of season two. Um but I always just get this, like when I read Pentecost and I read Peter's sermon in Pentecost and you think of the context of Peter, like what was he doing 40 days ago? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you're like, you were disqualified and now you are doing this thing yeah. like that. I, you're I just, swinging a sword. Guys. I can't, I can't believe it. I I, I love it. And in that to me, it's like, it's just a great story. It yeah. just compels you to listen and to follow along. Yeah. That's cool. The transformation. And it's fun to know that the Bible does have that has people going from point A to point B, just like we're going from point A to point B. Like it's a yeah. static it, it, it's a reality, right? Like we grow as we inter- interact with God and encounter him, like we change mm-hmm. and that's reflected in scripture. And it's a change that happens again. It's through the spirit. It's not, these guys were trying their best <laughs> in their own flesh throughout all of the gospels, achieving nothing. And the spirit comes in overnight. They are profoundly different, profoundly different, not kind of different, like really different. Mm-hmm. So, I, I think it's just the encouragement of um, if you're struggling to ever change or to be free of some of these mm. same old habits, you know, it's look, yeah, work hard, be disciplined, fight against your flesh. And yet the power comes from the spirit of God who's in you. That's where the power comes from. So good. This is, I mean, that's going to be rad. What about you, Garrick? What are you most excited for in, in the book of Acts? There's so much there. <laughs> Can I just be excited for the whole thing? Please. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's transformation. I, I think the, the one thing I would add is expectation. I think Acts challenges our normal way of walking in faith with Christ and challenges us to have bigger expectations in a lot of different ways, whether we talk about transformation, uh, we talk about witness, uh, we talk about what community life looks like. In all of those things, I feel like the book of Acts is always um, expounding and stretching our understanding of what those things could look like. Mm-hmm. What happens when we gather and pray, right? Like the disciples just came out of a, God said, I'm going to rescue you from jail, right? Do we expect God to move in God-sized ways, um, it, you know, in the same manner? And I, and I think we should. And I think that, again, stretches our own expectations of what it means to follow after Christ. Yeah, and it doesn't even go with, like, expecting God to do God says things, but it's also, like, with people. Like, I think of, like, Philip and the Ethiopian. Like, mm-hmm. talk about, Dude, talk yeah. about like, people. Like, that God-sized movement yeah. via yeah. a person. Yeah. yeah. That's my favorite story, probably in the Bible, definitely in Acts. So I'm oh, super yeah. excited for that one. It's those two stories paired together. It's yeah. because you also have uh, Simon the Magician and then oh, you know, yeah. the Ethiopian, and it's both you know, there together, side by side. Those are cool stories. It, those are great. What Philip yeah. does, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, doesn't, and I know for many of us, like, okay, I've heard Acts 2, you know, 42 through 30, 44, right, a ton. Four, yeah. Right? Like, okay, this is what they devoted themselves to, to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. But the community that was forged when they expected that God was going to show up and yeah. they were willing to sacrifice and change from their own paradigms. Mm. Um, again, it goes back to like, what did they expect from living in community? Um, wow. And they expected a lot. 
Yeah. So I'm excited to allow those stories to uh, maybe, uh, you know, expand our own understanding. I was trying to think of the lyric of the new song that we sang last week in church, where I think it says, you know, shake the grounds of my traditions. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think if we're honest, we have a lot of traditions in our walk with Jesus that we say, this is how Jesus works, and this is what I expect. And I just hope that the book of Acts, as we teach through it, would be a place that God, through the word and spirit, would shake our understanding, you know, our traditions of this is what God can do in my life and expand on it. Yeah, and isn't that just like the one thing that you could say about every single part of the book of Acts? Like, mm-hmm. oh, my foundations have been shaken again. There go my traditions. There go my yeah. traditions. <laughs> like every tradition you have as a Jewish uh, Yahweh follower in, in yeah. this time is gone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Gone. With Diet. the feeling of, of a loss of identity, too. Yeah. Like, Well, loss of identity in an empire that is, you know, zeroing in on you and yeah. trying to take your identity. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's very poignant. We'll yeah. just say that. We don't need to get political. It's very poignant. And it's very poignant to ask everybody who is hearing this and sitting under the preaching, what kingdom are you expecting? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the question that Acts really puts out. It's mm-hmm. great. This is good. This is mm-hmm. really good stuff. Good idea. Good idea, guys, to do Acts first. It's going to be good. Um, okay, last question. I, we, we, went, we went deep. We went we went everywhere. But my question is, what do you hope to see in our people as we go through the book of Acts? Like an actual response we're hoping to see. Do you want to take it? I'm sure you want to talk about Holy Spirit power stuff. <laughs> power. <laughs> right? I, I feel like I've I've hit that with like every question. <laughs> I, I feel great. like I want to go there, but I've been there the I'll whole I'll answer for Garrick. Garrick wants to see you grow in your depth and capacity for allowing the Holy Spirit to move in your lives in both transformational ways, but also in the miraculous. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. And, and giving equal weight and credit to both and not dictating how that's going to show up. Mm-hmm. If it shows up in one form or another, it doesn't, it doesn't say, oh, you only got half of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well said. It's like we've worked together for a really long time. Like I know how have. you're going to answer or how you need to answer. Well, it was really funny. I, I know yours. I know. I know the answer that you need to bring. <laughs> what do you think Michael would say? Uh, he wants people to open up their hands in a posture to receive. If people do that, <laughs> then we will have made it through the Book of Acts. There you go. And Garrick, what do you think Sean uh, wants people to do? Oh man, what I think Sean wants. I'm so excited right now. Oh my goodness, <laughs> I don't know if I can answer as succinctly as he did for me. Um, well, there's the part of Sean that's going to be really excited about the historical context of the book of Acts and bringing that out mm-hmm. and bringing that to bear. That, that's something that, that, uh, you're going to be excited to do for sure. Right. Yeah. Survey says onions, um, <laughs> onions. That's where my brain's going. My, my brain's going faster than my mouth. I think that we've, everybody's read Acts one through three, one billion times. Yes. It's not that interesting anymore. It's Ooh. so familiar. And I'm excited to peel the onion back mm-hmm. on it and go, that's hold where the, on. That's where like, onions come where from. Where was onion at any is. point? I'm excited this. to peel the onion back on it. You think you know what's going on in this passage. It's so, There's so much more happening than yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, guys, if this didn't get someone excited about the book of Acts, I don't know what will. 
Yeah. This is this is quite quite a primer, I would say. Uh, any places you want to point people resource wise? That's a great question. So um, it, there's been a big thing kind of in the Christian world in the last two three months about recognizing your sources and who's influencing you and like. So just kind of put that out there because I think it's really good to kind of acknowledge people. John Stott's commentary on Acts is largely considered, I think, one of the best commentaries ever written, certainly the best commentary on Acts. That's Industry standard. Huge, mm-hmm. Hugely influential. The Willie James Jennings um, has been a, a new discovery, and I cannot speak highly enough about that. That's a commentary on Acts as well. That one will challenge you a little bit. It is, and it's not written like any commentary I've ever seen. It is fantastic. F.F. Bruce has the uh, NICNT one. I've been using that a lot. But if you wanted to listen to anybody else's preaching on the book of Acts, J.D. Greer from the Summit Church um, did an incredible series, and um, I listened to that to help me think through structurally how mm-hmm. you do such a long series like this. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so props to J.D. Greer. You're the man, dude. <laughs> really are. appreciate you so much, brother. You're never going to hear this, but... You're awesome. <laughs> I'll email it to him. Yeah. I'll email it to him. Well, guys, thanks so much for taking some time. Sean's got to get back to work pre- to get the sermon ready to go. I'm feeling good right now, man. Good. This is like sermon prep for me today. Yeah, this was I great. I hope I didn't like drop all my really good points into the... <sighs> I don't think I did. No, you're good. I think I got a couple <laughs> surprises. Yeah, you do. A couple surprises. Yeah. Well, it's a surprise that anybody... I'm just kidding. Everybody. Happy anniversary, Melinda. This comes out tomorrow. Yeah. So. It's a, but today's our anniversary. <laughs> I don't like context like that. I like when people can listen to this whenever, not know what it is, but that's fine. We can keep that in. We can tell them also about the toilet leaking. (laughs) No, we can't. Okay. Sorry, folks. (laughs) Anyway, thanks for listening. We will see you guys next week. And every week thereafter.